Hello and welcome back to the Chris Broadhead Show, where I interview fascinating entrepreneurs, filmmakers, artists, and anyone I find interesting. These are folks who can offer some valuable insights on those skills and experiences we are most interested in learning more about and improving. So I, I am uh, with Adam Bianco. Am I saying that correct? Yep, that's right. All right. Is that, is that Italian? It is. My dad's from southern Italy. Oh, wow. Over, I want to say about 50 years ago. Yeah. That's exciting. Like straight to Chicago? Uh, no, so he came over on a boat with, uh, he's the oldest of six children. They came over in the late 50s and came to New York. Uh-huh. So, uh, it's, and he met, eventually met my mom, who's from middle of nowhere, Indiana, small town, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And they met and eventually moved to Columbus, Ohio, where uh, I came in the picture. Uh, and then you were like, this town ain't big enough for me. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> So I bounced around the Midwest a bit. I uh, lived in Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, and now here in Chicago. Been mm-hmm. here for a little over a year. Nice. It was, how are you liking Chicago so far? Oh, it's great. It's, I mean, there's just so much to do all the time. Uh, I'm loving the beach now that it's warmer uh, between the festivals and the sporting events and just kind of the business opportunities. There's, mm-hmm. there's no other place like in the Midwest, and of course, still in shooting distance from home. Right, right. Yeah, it's uh, it's a special place. I, I don't think a lot of people realize just all the opportunities and amenities that Chicago offers. Everyone's like, mm-hmm. New York or L.A., that's it. Yeah. Well, how long have you been in Chicago for? Uh, five years. Nice. Where are you from originally? Florida. Okay. So you came up and brave in the cold weather. Yeah, yeah. I came up in the summer uh, and kind of... Uh, not really considering the winter. I was just like, cool, it'll be like the summer always. And that, uh, that, that first winter actually turned out to be one of the most mild winters, I, I think, in the last hundred years. So I was like, yeah, I can do this winter thing. And then the next winter, it was negative 50. And I was like, no, Ooh. no winter. <laughs> Bad winter. I don't blame it. This, this past one was pretty mild, so I haven't experienced a Chicago winter yet. Yeah. I'll hold off as long as I can. I'm sure you had some pretty gnarly ones in Columbus and in Pittsburgh, maybe, right? Yeah, they weren't too bad. We, we've had our share of snow and a blizzard from time to time. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And what, uh, what area do you live in Chicago? I just moved in the Lakeview-Lincoln Park area. Ah, that's a, that's a great spot. That, that was like the, the first spot I landed in Chicago as well. Where are you at now? Uh, actually, full circle. I'm I'm back. I, I live in Wrigleyville now. Okay. Yeah. It's just up the road. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's great being like so close to the lake. Mm-hmm. That, that really is uh is is worth the price of admission right there. Exactly. That's yeah. a big thing. I got a got a husky who I run with, um, and she she enjoys. But we love being by the lake to get out on the mm-hmm. path and just uh, go for it. Nice. Yeah, but uh, but your husky doesn't doesn't mind the winter so much. No, she doesn't. She <laughs> loves it. But she's starting to get a little hot for her, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, would you mind giving us a little background on yourself and and what you do? Sure. Yeah, I've been in the marketing world for about ten years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've worked a lot of backgrounds in the hospitality industry. Worked with two major restaurant companies uh both uh, one was g3 restaurants which partnered with the nfl and with hall of fame athletes and the other one was with levy restaurants where that is uh in 150 stadiums and arenas across the country and then they have doing all the food for them then they have uh, several restaurant concepts from fine dining michelin star italian restaurants to uh your typical sports bar and anywhere in between with locations in downtown Disney, California ski resorts, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've since, and kind of where I'm at now, is a marketing and social media consultant. So I work with brands large and small in the in the startup space, but medium-sized businesses too, just on anything really digital marketing. Mm-hmm. Great. So you kind of cut your teeth in the 
the restaurant hospitality industry? Yeah, but it's really kind of venturing off to uh, kind of a few different industries, working with, uh, for those familiar with Chicago, I'm down at 1871 quite a bit at mm-hmm. the Startup Incubator, so working with a few clients down there, and then just uh, kind of whatever comes my way. I, I think I, I have a hospitality background, but also a sports background, which I'm sure we'll talk about, the few side projects, but really, I mean, digital marketing to a certain extent is carried over across you know, all different types of industries. There's unique things about each industry. You got to know the background and learn a bit about it, but you know, 70, 80% of the tactics and different things are transferable kind of from industry to industry. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I like to think, uh, I'm fairly versatile. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I feel the exact same way. And I, I love going to like these startup meetup groups or just business meetup groups where everybody's kind of giving everybody advice and they're like, well, who's your target market? And I'm like, you know, anyone that can afford me because most of these strategies are pretty similar. And they're like, oh, you don't even know who your target market is, dude. Like, you're going to fail. I was like, well, I've been in business for like four years, so I think I'm doing all right. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm like, I know your two-week startup is like going to set the world on fire, but why don't you chill out? <laughs> so you've been doing it for a couple of years now. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I started in 2012, like February 2012. It's, now, have you been enjoying doing your own thing? Oh, it's great, man. Um, I, I used to be a budget analyst for NASA uh, before I did this. And that was, I uh, did not enjoy that. I, I didn't like going to an office even when there was no work to do. Um, or just getting up, getting ready, and driving an hour each way every day. That was very, uh, very unpleasant for me. So mm-hmm. only lasted about two years there and then I just decided to move to Chicago to study comedy and pursue filmmaking and uh, learn marketing on the way to support myself. Nice. So So what are you majorly doing? Uh, Are you doing more the video side or the uh, kind of digital marketing or what would you say? uh, You talking like getting paid for it or or just Uh, just how you're spending your time. Oh. Well, uh, I try to spend as much time like writing and directing and acting and producing and all that stuff, uh, but it's probably like 70, 30, 80, 20 on a general week just because, uh, you know, you still got to gotta work to pay that rent. That's right. Unfortunately. <laughs> but but it is nice with, uh, with social media marketing, um, you know, the, the clients are recurring. So it's like, you know, I don't have to go out and, like, sell a certain amount just to, like, break even. I, I have, mm-hmm. like, a, a good set of clients, and then I have, uh, like, a good team that kind of manages the accounts. So I just do, like, the high-level stuff. Very nice. Yeah. So it's awesome. Um, <clears throat> so I, I did a little research on you. Uh, okay. Using detective skills. Very, very worried. <laughs> I found out all the amazing things you, you've accomplished. Um, so it sounds like you've done just about every job in the industry. Um, and the consulting, this is like your full-time focus, correct? Yes. So okay. consulting is the thing that pays the bills and where I spend the bulk of my time. Nice. So what, what made you choose consulting? Uh, you know, I was in the kind of the rat race of it all and decided that uh, I was working for a company and I was already for the most part consulting um, for a variety of different concepts or in this case clients. And at the end of the day, I kind of decided if I could be doing this at a company and, and going through, you know, the pluses and minuses that come with working with a large company, or I can kind of do it on my own and, and break mm-hmm. away and really try it out and see what happens. I can always go back to the corporate world, but let's see what it's like on the other side. And, and also with a variety of clients and industries, mm-hmm. I got to say, and it, since breaking away, um, just a little less than a year ago at this point, it's been, while very challenging, it's been very rewarding. I feel like I've learned more over the past six, eight months than I have in the past several years. Wow. 
with just uh, in in marketing side of things, but also with anything else. I mean, with being your own business, you have to be your own accountant, your own salesperson, your own everything, your own legal team. So it's you, you learn quite a bit, but I think it also pushes you to uh, continue to harness your craft and get better at your craft. And and that's where I think even on the marketing side of things, if that's SEO or email marketing or anything else, you. I felt like I've stepped my game up so much more over the past several months. Mm-hmm. That, that's great. Um, yeah, that that's what I try to tell everyone. I'm like, the corporate job will always be there. Like, you know, you can you can try this for a little bit and see how it feels. Mm-hmm. And I think the world is also. I mean, it's never going to replace it, but there there's so much uh, more opportunities in the freelance world, or even just working remotely within your corporate position. Uh, people mm-hmm. aren't tied to their desk as much anymore and uh you see that more and more in companies big and small so i think there's opportunities and people are it's gonna be much more commonplace for people like uh you know yourself and and myself of either working with their own company and, and doing some consulting or just even just kind of freelancing and working when they want how many projects they want at that time because sometimes they may have 10 extra hours a week. And sometimes they are trying to do it for full time. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So, uh, what, what was like the straw that broke the camel's back and just convinced you that, uh, freelance was the way to go? I don't know if there really was one thing in the end. I mm-hmm. think it was just kind of a combination and, uh, you know, you, you're, you're at a company long enough where you see what it's like and what's going to be. And I think it was just, after a while, um, thinking that, you know what, it's, I, I think actually in the end, I, I saw over the past several months, the, the last few months I was there, starting to see the other side of it more, going to a few more workshops and networking events, meeting more freelancers and people doing their own business, where I decided, you know, why not me? Why can't I do it and work on, you know, the couple side hustles that I was kind of interested in? Why not take those a little more seriously and, and try it out? If you don't do it now, then I don't know when I'll actually get the chance. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And and how old are you? I am twenty nine. Twenty nine. Yeah, I'm. I'm just turned thirty one last week, so we're. Uh... It's a scary thing approaching the thirties. <laughs> Is it? I, I noticed that I I was more bald, but besides that, or maybe I just tried not to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Is. I always I always crave more time. That's more time in the day. More time doing. A, a project, maybe more time in life. And so I'm always like, I want more time to do what I'm trying to do before I hit that 30 landmark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, uh, it sucks getting older. Like I, I really, I think I honestly thought I was like, I'll be young forever. And then you're like, you're 25. You're like, wait, how did this happen? Uh-huh. And then 30, then 31. You're, you're like, what? What is, what is the deal? Right. I'm going to move back to Wrigleyville. <laughs> <laughs> Stay young while you can. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, that's awesome. What would you say to someone who's like considering uh, going down the uh, consulting path or the freelance path, path I should say? Uh, I would say to start, I mean, it's to look at the services and websites you can sign up for to try to get positions. Uh, you know, Creative Circles one. Uh, Elands, there, there's so many, mm-hmm. um, and you can start. I mean, it doesn't have to be dramatic. You can start transitioning while you're working a full-time job. Depending on your job, of course, sometimes you can't do that, but a lot, you know, you'll be able to. Even just something on the side, one project, which just could be a couple hours a week, and kind of see if you like it. And you know, you can dip your toes in the water before jumping in all the way. But uh, definitely harness um, those skills, whatever it is, because it seems like. Either consulting or freelancing, you are going to have to kind of niche yourself with a certain um, type of skill set, especially on the freelancing side, if that's content marketing, social media, um, copywriting, whatever. So get very good at least one or two set of skills and really try to master it, get a certificate in if you can. If like in Google, you can get a certificate in Google Analytics and AdWords, etc. So master it and then just kind of go from there and, and dip your toes in the water. Mm-hmm. Or you can do what I did and just kind of said, screw it, I'm going to leave and, and start my own consulting. Yeah. 
That's what I did. <laughs> Wouldn't you think that has its own advantages and disadvantages, but it does take... Uh, one of the things uh, I look back and I guess wish you would have known, but kind of really learned over the past several months starting for the first time, is that, one, uh, contracts and leads take longer than expected, longer than you think. Oh, so much longer. Right? I think going into it, you think, okay, it's a couple conversations, meetings, and you're good. But you yeah. know, there's varying degree, even if the, the party's interested and the client's interested in what you're doing, and it's mutually beneficial, of course, there could be a variety of reasons why it gets delayed. Either waiting a particular type of season or they're waiting for some personnel issues, both good and bad at their you know, their business or anything. There, there's so many variety of reasons. And I found even now in my shorter experience, I'm sure with you, that it's not, it's not always them trying to blow you off. It's, it's quite a bit legit a lot of times where uh, they will come back a few months later or at least pass you a referral um, and come back and say, okay, now it actually is the time that we're, we're ready to uh, move forward with it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one. And then the second thing is know that you will be, I think more on the financial side, know about the self-employment tax. And you got to make uh, oh, and get your, keep your finances in line because the government will be taking a much higher percentage than they would if you were just working uh, at a regular company. Yeah, that that was a that was a brutal wake up call. Like like first tax season came around, and I was like, man, I'm rich. And then you you like finish your books and like input it in TurboTax or talk to talk to your tax guy, and you're like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> How could I possibly owe that much? Mm-hmm. That percentage is a lot higher than you think. Oh, it's ridiculous. So uh, getting uh, get your finances in line um, to start. Just set yourself up yeah. with, uh, with the spreadsheet. If it's QuickBooks, I use I have a giant spreadsheet, Excel doc, but I also use uh, waveapp.com to help track expenses. And mm-hmm. that kind of helps me. But, of course, you know, there's so many different tools. But get your finances in line, and then, you know, it's not – it's kind of a slower process. I yeah. always ask, and I'm kind of curious to ask you um, – people in our industries or even varying industries when they start their own business, how long did it take for you to feel like you are on solid ground? And it seems like a lot of people I've talked to, they say a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, what do you think for you who's been in now for uh, Never. <laughs> um, I mean, your, your savings will slowly build to the point where you're like, all right, I feel pretty good. But I mean, if you're, I, I guess my, my situation is kind of unique because th- this is just a means to an artistic career. So it's not like, you know, I'm not trying to become the next, uh, I don't know, some big marketing company. This is just to learn marketing and make enough money to live. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm much more interested in, in writing, directing, and acting and producing. So... I mean, there there have been, like, great years. There have been okay years. There have been, you know, uh, normal years. It it's it always seems to work out. So I, I guess I should say six months I felt like I was in solid ground. But, I mean, I, I always, I think, am, am trying to get on more solid ground. Sure. If, if that is an answer. Oh, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. What, what about you? Do you feel like you're on solid ground? Getting there. It's it's about, uh, hopefully, I won't try to jinx anything, but I think there'll be a, a breakthrough over the next few weeks where you, know, you get a couple client base. But I think over the next several months, it'll really, uh, you know, some leads that you started getting early and, and the seeds you planted early will start kind of come to fruition and get a good client base. It'll keep coming back or refer you. So, I think it's getting to a good point where it's stabilized a bit instead of getting one-off projects, actually getting a base of clients. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully, you know, you bust, you know, bust your butt and uh, do a great job and then they keep coming back or for you to a uh, new business. Yeah. Yep. That's, uh, that's for sure. Um, awesome. So what aspect of marketing are you most passionate about? Um, that's a good question. I think passionate about is probably 
content marketing. Mm-hmm. I really like um, building content and distributing it out. But it's also, I think it's a great combination with social media. And probably social media in the end is, is where I'm the most passionate about. Mm-hmm. It's Social media has been very interesting over the past several years. I think a couple of years ago, it was one of those things where wasn't sure. I mean, no one really knew the ROI on social. They're trying to bosses, CEOs would come down and say, oh, great, we're investing this time and money, but what am I going to get out of it? And no one really had a great answer for it. And also, you know, career-wise, sitting there as a young marketer, learning, thinking, how, what's the career path in social media? Not necessarily seeing one. But I think really in the past year or two, we've seen that each social media network is becoming a business. Facebook especially, Twitter's on its way, Instagram, the launch of ads over the past few months, it's on its way, and they just announced new business tools just a couple of days ago. That social media means serious business, and companies are putting more and more investment into it. So there kind of is that career path, so it, it's one of those things where, you know, I was passionate about it for the past few years and hopefully getting good at it, but now there's kind of a long-term play in it overall so i think that is uh, and allows you to be creative i like i'm i kind of can show myself a creative guy but also an analytical guy as well that as much as i like looking at uh, and developing new ideas i also love look, looking at the metrics behind them mm-hmm. yeah no that's awesome i uh i completely agree with the the content marketing aspect and uh like it, it, it really is. I, I think it's still hard to measure the ROI. Are, are you, uh, are you able to do that pretty successfully? Well, I mean, it is. It depends on what you're doing. Um, there's, of course, if you're on paid ads, it's a little bit easier to measure. Depending on your objective, if you're trying to get app downloads, if you're trying to get people to buy a certain product or just traffic back to your site, you can measure that so much more. And especially with uh, on Facebook and a few of the other analytics platforms, you can. But, I mean, so much of social media in the end is um, you know, brand awareness and getting the word out there, which is, of course, much harder to measure, if you can really at all. So part of it is and part of it isn't, but compared to a couple of years ago, it's it's leaps and bounds what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm i appreciative that people are getting away from just like the social for social's sake, because I... I like when it first started, people were like, oh yeah, just post like, don't you love Fridays and don't you hate Mondays? And it was just like nothing but disingenuous, like corporate nonsense. And yeah. and I had like so many accounts that that's all they would let us post. And I was like, this isn't, this is my nightmare. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm very, I'm happy that there's a, a ton more competition because that makes people actually create interesting content that like rises to the top right you know and that and that gives us more opportunities because it's like listen you know this that old stuff that worked four years ago that doesn't work at all facebook hates that you'll get like two organic views mm-hmm. like they'll just laugh laugh at you um so you know i i think the the most fun and like satisfying part of this job is is creating interesting high value content so um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited that Facebook and Twitter and Instagram are all really favoring that stuff, especially video. Right. And I think at the same time, it's hopefully have a budget as well to help get it out. I mean, I, I really actually it's nerd me to say, but I really like Facebook's ad platform. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's fun to work in. It's, it's a great interface, unlike AdWords and there's so much you can do with it, but of course, you know, it's, a lot nicer when you're spending other people's money than <laughs> than your own, and when you're working with a budget that you, you know, allows you to be creative, because um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things you can do. The downside, of course, with Facebook, outside of video to a certain extent, is that organic reach has been crushed. Oh, it's terrible. Two percent of your likes are going to see it, so it's you know it's a struggle, and it's yeah. at some point if you don't have money, it's you don't want to give up on it, but at some point it's there's almost not much point in the end with Facebook a bit. But on the flip side, right, if you have money and you can spend either a couple hundred bucks or even if you're a larger company, thousands of dollars, you can make a, a, 
pretty big substantial impact and show revenue to that bottom line. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't even, I mean, this is probably years ago that, that you realized this, but I, I don't care about likes. Like likes mean nothing besides looking nice on your page. Mm-hmm. You know, Facebook doesn't show the, the doesn't care, but that's wasted money. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's kind of, I, I usually even like spend money to make money, you know, have some sort of tangible, measurable, you know, goal in the end of if you're going to do ads, you know, spend it to at least acquire their emails on your website yeah, exactly. or sell a product or do something that yeah. in the end kind of moves people down the purchase funnel of some sort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Emails, so, that's a whole different story. Emails, I, I think, are maybe the most valuable. Right. Exactly. They are. Yeah. I, I love them. Uh, all my uh, all my filmmaker friends are like, how do I market like my shorts and my features? I'm like, start an email list. <laughs> like, just build that forever, and that will like eventually pay you to do what you love to do. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about your schedule. Um, you know, you've you went rogue a year ago. I know uh, my schedule has widely varied in the last couple of years. Would you mind sharing uh, your schedule with us? Talking more day-to-day schedule? Yeah, just well, like, yeah. Sure. Day-to-day. Um, let's see. I've always been a bit of a workaholic. And then the hospitality industry, you kind of have to be. We had, we had probably 10-hour day minimums, but that was probably more like 14, 15-hour days. Wow. So that's just ingrained in me. So, I mean, now I am uh, – Normally, at least at my desk by about 8 a.m., if not a little bit earlier. I usually start in bed reading some <laughs> articles and, and things. Nice. Uh, watching Mike and Mike in the morning for, for the sports people. Beautiful. Um, but then from there, it's uh, doing, you know, I try to be productive. I read a couple of productivity books of in the morning, you know, taking either the biggest projects or, you know, things you don't want to do the most and getting those done in the morning and out of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there, also try not to look at your email too much, respond back to anything you know very immediate, but uh, getting to that a little bit later on in the morning. And then it's, uh, you know, then it's a variety of the take some time out of the day every day to do just a little bit of outreach that can be as simple as trying to connect with people on LinkedIn, follow up with leads, or just reach out to, uh, you know, I try to do a decent bit of speaking around Chicago in different workshops. So it could Which be- Which is how we met. Which is how we met, exactly. Um, so reaching out to a few different venues and, and seeing uh, you know, if there's any opportunity to do that. So uh, a decent bit of, of outreach a little bit during the day. And then afternoon is kind of back to projects and starting to work on some of the, the side hustles and side projects. But um, then I think normally at nights I'm at an event or workshop or networking um, especially Tuesday through Thursday, I'm almost always at something um, in the evenings, and then I come back, uh, come back, and normally start working on the side hustles a bit more, either multitasking by watching some TV or just kind of sitting there grinding on some stuff. So mm-hmm. I am a lame person. If you ask my girlfriend, she luckily she's a bit of a workaholic too, but uh, I'm normally going from from 8 a.m. of sorts to midnight. At times, depending on uh, what's all going on. I, as I kind of mentioned, I, I'm a person who I don't like wasting time. Um, so uh, I'll just be kind of working. There's always something to do. That's what I struggle with. There's always something to do. Yeah. Different businesses. That, that, that's a major hurdle for every entrepreneur. It's like, you know, someone's like, cool, when do you get off? It's like, uh, never. Exactly. I mean, it's when you're an entrepreneur and this, myself or anybody's, you know, it's like, if you don't do it, no one else will. So it's at times it's it's like what can you live with not doing and pushing back when you see something that just has to get done? You just gotta do it, mm-hmm. or you're not bringing in money for the next day. Or if you don't go to that yeah. networking event, that affects your bottom line three months from now. Mm-hmm. And and that uh, that actually does level off, or it did for me at least. I, I know like the first year maybe first 18 months like i mean it was all day every day and the weekend just just to get everything done 
and then uh-huh. everything never got done. <laughs> <laughs> but but eventually, you know, you kind of create processes and you put people in place so that the sort of recurring, like super time consuming work, like posting to Instagram, uh, which is just silly and I hate doing, you know, you have other people that don't have your expertise or your, you know, schedule and they can do that for you. Right. Yeah. So it, it's one of those things where I'm kind of used to schedule. It's, I wouldn't know any other way of Mm -hmm. not kind of working on a few things, but I also do it to myself with a few side projects. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like you're just, you're super passionate about marketing and and your side projects and, and that's just, that's fun for you. It is. I've been, uh, no, I, I love it. Yeah. Um, would you mind, uh, sharing some of your side hustles with us? Oh yeah, sure. So I have a, um, I guess it's one started several years ago as a, uh, as an Ohio state fan from Columbus, Ohio. I am, I had a, of a Twitter account. It's the largest Ohio state football Twitter account and almost 230,000 followers. Yeah, that is that is ginormous. <laughs> it's, it's it's done pretty well. It's I started it years ago in college, before people actually I think did that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of I, I started because no one was doing it. You know, saying giving kind of Ohio State football news um, on Twitter, and now of course there's a million of those type of accounts for every last little thing. But I really got on the ground floor. Um, Ohio State didn't really. The athletics department didn't really get one till only a couple of years ago, and the football team didn't get one till a few months ago. Wow. So there really wasn't anything official, and I benefited from having a great handle. People are passionate about Ohio State, so that has grown. And the day-to-day, that's pretty minimal in the off-season. It's just sharing some articles and news as it comes across. But in season, it kind of keeps updated on um, the news and game updates. That's mm-hmm. one. Um, the second one is, which is more recent, it's kind of an Instagram kind of showpiece for me. I come from the world of, as mentioned, restaurants and sports, so I combine the two to do what's called Sports Foodie. It's at Sports Foodie on Instagram, mm-hmm. at The Sports Foodie on Twitter, and the, the website's called The Sports Foodie, and it's a uh, food, sports food website. Um, you know, it's publication at this point, also a, a great Instagram follow. It's probably the main platform it's on. And I was looking around, you know, there's a million food, food bloggers and, and food Instagrammers, but there were all these pretty pictures and, and cute and they're mainly females. And, and there's no one that was really highlighting the kind of that male audience too much, especially the sports side of things. And, uh, sports food has come a long way over the past couple of years uh, with some of these insane, unique stuff that the arenas are doing, sports restaurants are doing. So I saw this gap and decided to fill it with sports foodie, and it's taken off in about six months. It has um, just a little under 20,000 followers on Instagram. Wow. The, the website has is, is got uh, you know several thousand followers visiting it on a monthly basis. It just launched a few months ago. That's growing to stays on top of. There's a there's a weekly recipe, sports recipe. There is it follows kind of some of the industry news. It follows athlete restaurants and, and news in that sense. So there's and then kind of what's uh, if there's anything crazy going on in um, you know, as the baseball season was huge, every baseball team was trying to one up each other on like what's the craziest food item you can give uh, and have at the stadium stuff. That's a uh, a burger that instead of having buns, they have pepperoni pizza on top and bottom, like a full <laughs> pizza, like a mini personalized pizza. Wow! And that's just one example of just this this insane food, and of course it, it gets people's attention. Um, so that's one sports foodie, and then I just again I said I do this to myself. There's there's one I'm working on, not ready to reveal it yet. It's probably about a week away. But it's definitely in the world of sports. Could be coming into an inbox near you. Ooh. Um, so kind of stay tuned for that. And uh, I'll, I'm sure I'll message you about it. But it's um, something new and exciting. And it could have the, the biggest potential of them all. Awesome. Um, that, that's great. So I, I would be remiss if I didn't, uh, didn't ask this because that's, 
the most followers of a person or thing that I've ever talked to. So, uh, you know, that's, that's very impressive. Uh, so kudos to you. Thank you. Um, if you had to start, you know, a Twitter and Instagram or a, a Snapchat or, or whatever today, do you, what, what strategies would you use to get to 220,000 followers? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, I'm actually, I am starting a, a new social media. It's not for me. It's for one of my clients. So it's, it's starting from ground zero. Mm-hmm. And it is first, I mean, hopefully whatever you're doing is somewhat unique. You know, it's hard to be a hundred percent unique, but you know, looking at, you know, find white space in the market. If for instance, sports foodie, there's food Instagrammers, people love them. So they're passionate about seeing food. So I found a, a need that kind of wasn't being met on the sports side and the burgers and the wings and all that good stuff. So hopefully whatever your business is, find first the network that makes the most sense for you. If that's Twitter, if it's more news-related commentary, if it's very photography-driven, of course, Instagram's great. Um, Snapchat has its purposes, but that one's the toughest to measure ROI at this point, but I'm sure they'll become easier a little bit sooner. But the biggest thing early on is that people, you know, Ohio State football really started taking off. Uh, what's interesting about Ohio State football is that for about a year, I didn't, almost a year, I didn't touch it. And it nearly doubled in size in that year. Wow. Uh, I touched it just a little bit and I kind of forgot about it. And I kind of came back and saw, whoa, it doubled. This is on to something. And it was already at about 20,000, 30,000 by that point. And the thing is, is that people are much more likely to follow your account because the biggest indicator of people following your account is if it has a lot of followers already. So a little bit of like, it's a little bit of chicken and egg scenario, Mm -hmm. but the biggest thing is that you can do is just sweat equity uh, to start, get out there, um, you know, find like accounts. If you find a competitor or an inspirational person, a blogger, a website or whatever, follow all their people tag them, like their stuff, uh, retweet, whatever. And it's really, there's, of course, there are some services that will help automate that for you. And, you know, that is either a no-no to some people's eyes. It's a gray area in other people's, you know, it is what it is. Um, there's some that are better than others. Mm -hmm. Most part, I've always done mine organically, but it's, but when you do that, it's, it's comes back to, you know, finding your, uh, you know, just putting the effort in and it takes time. Uh, so find on Twitter, for instance, I mean, find the competitors, follow a bunch of them, uh, follow a lot of people. Um, and then also on social and Twitter, especially tag a couple people in each tweet, just about that you think that might be interested in. It's, uh, not necessarily a publication, like in sports world, you can tag ESPN, but that's not going to do anything. But you can tag, if I'm talking about the Carolina Panthers and a food item, I might go to the Carolina Panthers page or a fan page, fan Twitter account, find a few people that are on there that look like they're active, and then tag them in the tweet. They'll see it. They have 300 followers, 500 followers, 1,000, whatever. They'll likely either star it or you know, favorite it, retweet it, and then they'll also likely to follow me as well. So it's little by little. It's mm-hmm. gonna help grow it. So um, you're talking like uh, influencer marketing, a bit influencer marketing. Uh, but, you can, but it's you kind of you can target the the common person too. Mm-hmm. Of course, influencers help. There, but there's that kind of that balance of you want someone not too big because they won't see it, versus someone that's too small if they retweet it to actually have an impact. Mm-hmm. So Twitter, that could be anyone from. That has about two, three thousand followers, all the way up to ten thousand followers. Mm-hmm. On Instagram, that can be anywhere from, you know, a similar type of spectrum, where it's a couple thousand to ten, twenty thousand, maybe upwards of fifty. But they get, once you start getting higher, the more notifications you get, and the more likely you're you are going to get lost in the uh, the sea of. Um, notifications. One tip though, one growth tip I'll give that's it's very tangible is either on Twitter or Facebook or Twitter and Instagram. What I found to be successful, if you do, if one of your strategies is to follow people, 
go to an account, say on Instagram, go to the account and click on, if you find a competitor, click on their followers and like and follow the, the recent, you know, 30, 50, whatever, 10, whatever that number is. And then, then stop and then go back to them a couple hours later, a day later and do it again. And on Twitter, it's the same thing, except you have to go on the desktop version, go to their followers, and highlight it. What you do, instead of doing in other ways, when you do that, you are targeting the people that just liked their stuff. So you want it, this, while it works great for accounts that have a couple hundred thousand um, followers. Because what happens is, if, if they just like the Instagram account, that means their phone is in their hand. So when you follow them back, they're more likely to see it at that point in time and follow you because they're already in the action of following people. So you get people basically in kind of follow mode. So the quicker you can get people at that stage by following people that just followed specific accounts, the better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's, that's a great tip. That's, uh, you're, you're using psychology right there, my friend. <laughs> a bit. <laughs> that's, uh, that's one of my one of my go-tos of sorts that, that has worked well. And there's a lot of different strategies, but that is, that's one. Mm-hmm. Nice. So are you a one man army? You, you do all of this yourself? I have a few couple partnerships depending on the, the business, but for the most part, it's probably 90% myself at wow. this point. Yeah. That, uh, social is just a time suck. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. People don't understand either. They're like, what? You just posted like six things. Like, what's the big deal? It's like, oh no. That's the tip of the iceberg, my friend. Yep. <laughs> and even those six things might have taken, especially if it's an Instagram, might have taken like an hour to post. Oh yeah. Easily. Yeah. Do you have any uh, any thoughts on posting to Instagram? That That's certainly a pain in my behind. Um, I mean, it's... Uh, Hootsuite likes to say that they can schedule, oh. but it's fake scheduling, so I wouldn't yeah. even worry about it for, for anyone listening. No, that was about such it. a joke when that came out. Everyone, everyone, all my uh, all my team members were like, oh my gosh, Hootsuite's going to schedule Instagram now. And I was like, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. And then uh-huh. they, they're like, no, look. And they did it, and it just like sent me a notification. I was like, yep, no. <laughs> it's not even worth the time. No. It's... It takes more time to do it. Exactly. So Instagram's just one of those things where eventually uh, Instagram is rolling out business tools. They just announced a couple, a couple days ago, business accounts and things. So it's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, they're becoming more business friendly overall. So it's coming, but it, at this point it, it is what it is. You just kind of try to find the, the best time of day for your industry and for your account and kind of going from there. Uh, general, I mean, general frequency. I like to tell people is, once a day is a good start. You can do a little more. Two or three times is probably the, the max. To, again, it depends on what kind of industry you're doing, what business you're using. Um, but I also wouldn't go more than a couple of days without posting something either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it really seems like repetition and continuing to post. I mean, even for podcasts, like that's just so important that like when someone clicks to your channel that they see that it's active yep yeah they want to see it's active and they also want to see consistency as well that they they generally know what they're getting when they when they listen to a podcast when they're following a, a certain account if that's twitter instagram whatever if it's food related you can do food of course you can branch out you don't talk about food all the time or in this case marketing and social media whatever um but they generally want to have an idea of what they're getting into Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. So w- with all that said, what are you working towards? That's a great question. I think it's, it's working towards on the consulting side of building my own company, mm-hmm. um, building a, an agency of sorts. doesn't have to be the biggest in the world, but really working with, you know, I enjoy the entrepreneur mindset and really being able to help grow businesses and small business owners and startups to help achieve their dreams. I enjoy that and the challenge of it and working w- with them, but also on the the side business and the side hustle, we'll see. You know, if, if one of them 
take off and all our builds to a certain extent around um, influencer marketing and being an influencer, uh, generating, uh, working with brands to generate revenue and such. So it's, you know, if one or multiple take off in the end, that's great. Um, but it's also, you never know what the industry is going to look like 10 years from now. So that might not be sustainable. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of just also utilizing the side hustles to stay innovative and bring, uh, some secondary income at the same time and, uh, and potentially, you know, might pass those off or bring in partners to do it. So you continue to be innovative. But I think in the end with those, it's trying to find what needs, what the needs are in a particular industry. And, uh, farther down the line, it's, that may turn into a bigger business unto itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, uh, I completely agree. So you're, sort of like perfect scenario would be you have like a, a nice sized agency. That's what you're working towards. Yeah, I would say so. It's, it's having a team of employees, nothing. I don't know if it would be how big it would be, maybe about five, 10, 20 people, but working, mm-hmm. um, working with a lot of medium sized businesses and startups to help kind of achieve their goals and help get them to the next level out of kind of startup mode, but help be profitable businesses. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, that's awesome. So I want to respect your time. I only have a couple more questions for you and then I will sure. let you go. I'm really enjoying this conversation. <laughs> oh, it's uh, been great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you've mentioned startups. What, what's your experience been like working with startups? At my first company, uh, that I worked with, worked with for several years. Uh, I kind of mentioned startups. That was one unto itself. I mean, people don't think startups as a in the restaurant industry, and and rightfully so. Startup feels like it's more tech. Mm-hmm. And but it was kind of a smaller company in the end that was growing, and being part of that environment and, and knowing the mindset of what goes through. I mean, even now, my company itself is it's a startup of sorts and. Uh, Working with uh, those type of, of clients and those type of people that are very passionate about what they're doing, they get behind it. They're not just, I think, doing it just to do it. You see people in the corporate world just doing a job and getting through it. They may like it. They may not. If you're an entrepreneur, if you're a startup, if you're building your own business, generally you're not going to make it unless you're very passionate about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So I really, uh, really enjoy working with those passionate people and also trying to do something very innovative and different and uh, finding that need. So that's where my passion is. Mm-hmm. And I like working with like-minded. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So now I'm going to ask uh, my super subjective uh, future question that no one can answer. Um, <laughs> All right. So, Excited. yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously I, I'm very biased towards video and I went to Sundance this past year and virtual reality was just like a massive aspect of it. It was like the first year I, I really experienced like what virtual re- reality has become so far and it's it's pretty mind-blowing. Um, uh, I, I don't know if you've like had a had a chance to do that. Um, I, have, I have the Google Cardboard, which is super high-end, but... Uh, mm-hmm. So basically, like with video and and with the prominence of video, like I mean, Facebook is all video, and virtual reality on the horizon. What are your thoughts on the future of content marketing? That is a great question. With video, I'll, I'll touch on video for a second. Um, Facebook is going there. There's more and more. I mean, Facebook's all about it, live broadcasting. At this point, I'm trying to tell my clients incorporating video into their strategy, live broadcasting somewhere in their strategy is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, I am kind of that, maybe I'm becoming a dinosaur and need to continue to adapt. If I see an article in a video that talks about the article, I will read the article much more so than watch the video. Because mm-hmm. um, I can skim through the, the article quicker than I watch a three-minute video and I don't like wasting time. So I'm kind of an oddball in that sense. And I see so much more of the statistics every year. The consumption of video keeps growing and growing and growing on a daily, on terms of how many minutes people watch video per day. So it's definitely the future and definitely where the consumption is going. 
Um, interesting, virtual reality thing is interesting because it's I compare it a little bit to the 3D, uh, the 3D era that was people thought was gonna be really big, mm-hmm. and people have to wear those glasses at home, and it never really caught on. So be curious. I think virtual reality has a place in the future. Just I don't know if people are going to be sitting down with an expensive unit, not only at home, to use virtual reality when they have to wear that big clunky headset. It didn't really work with 3D. I'll be curious. I could be completely wrong, but I think it will still evolve in some way to make it not only affordable, but also uh, kind of look cool while you do it at the same time, which <laughs> 3D never could conquer. So we'll see if VR VR could conquer it as well. But yeah. I think... Yeah, good luck making that huge headset look cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so we'll see. So I, I'm, I'm a little hesitant on, on virtual reality, but there are a lot of cool applications to it, which could be the bigger difference between that and 3D. But I think content mm-hmm. marketing overall... It's say if it's like anything else, it's people consume things in different ways. And you can see that and take social media and a, and a snapshot that people enjoy Facebook, people enjoy Snapchat, people like Twitter. People are consuming everything in, in a variety of ways where I think there's still going to be a place for articles and reading. There's still going to be a place for long-form content. There's still going to be a place, of course, for video and virtual reality. Um, I think at the end of the day, the more interesting you can get, the more you can diversify what you're doing. It's taking whatever idea it is. In my world, it could be sports food or something sports-related, and you create content in multiple, um, multiple fashions. If that's, again, written, if that's video, if that's virtual reality, if that is uh, a quick Snapchat video that's kind of taking whatever that piece of content is an idea and adapting it to different networks and different mediums. Yeah. No, I, I That's agree. Right, I think, anyway. Yeah. What do you think? Um, no, I, I think you're, you're totally right. And I actually, I, I'm so excited about virtual reality and I don't think I uh, really thought about it logistically, but I, I think that's a really good point that, you know, comparing it to the 3D glasses and just people like that nah, don't really want to wear that. Like, that's annoying. That's just another thing to lose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but have you read uh, Ready Player One? I haven't. Okay. So uh, Spielberg just optioned it. He's going to, like, make it into a, a movie soon. It's It's basically, like, 10 or 20 years in the future when virtual reality has just overtaken reality. And just everyone's super addicted to their virtual reality headsets. Oh, I think I've, it's a book, right? Yeah. I think uh, I had a friend that was talking about it. Yeah, it's, it's it a over. really cool book. Like, if you like sort of 80s trivia and, and all that stuff, um, it's, it's, it's a fun read. I read it in like two days. So You have to check it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, have, you, have you tried like virtual reality lately like the new iterations of it i put on a headset at the nfl draft okay cool and it was i mean it was, it's very cool very mm-hmm. cool stuff but it's yeah. also i think it's come back to one of the things where is it affordable for the average household to have one or multiple and we'll see if we have, in a couple of years what the price tag is mm-hmm. but then um it's also kind of what are the the uses for it is is it going to be a lot of games um, on there? Is it going to be, you know, the NFL did a great job with it of putting you in the experience and what kind of experience is that going to be like? If Is that going to be the new way to watch TV? There's, I mean, there's so many applications for it. It's hard to tell, I think, what the tra- trajectory it's going to. But uh, I kind of always come back to, are you going to look cool while you're wearing it? And what the cost is to be mass, uh, you know, adaptable to the masses. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. That was a, that was a great answer. Um, so we obviously, we met while you were public speaking. Um, you did a great job by the way. I was like, thank you. Dang, this guy knows his stuff. <laughs> um, so how important is public speaking for your business, for your marketing, for finding new clients, 
all that, uh, all that jazz. Yeah, for I mean, I think it's first better than networking. Going to a networking event, yeah. you can public speak. Then networking event, it's it's much more effective. Obviously, positions you as a leader in the space, and if people really really want to come up and talk to you after, or want to generate a lead, they will come up and talk to you after. Mm-hmm. And you can also acquire their emails. So you can reach back out to them. Um, but it's also kind of it refines um, your class. And if you teach the workshops at a couple of different places, it's nice to, to do them and build it up. So then you can teach them at companies in the future or bigger, even a convention. So it's a nice kind of stepping, uh, building up and, and stepping stone. Mm-hmm. But I think then also at the very least, and I think most importantly, so I'm a firm believer of when you teach, you learn. And when you're, when I put together these presentations, I think I have a great base of knowledge on it, but then you really have to know your stuff when you're, when you're teaching and you're doing more research while you're putting together the workshop. And then you, when you teach it, people ask you questions. If you don't know the answer, then I go back and look it up, find the answer, and then incorporate it in the next workshop. And so you really become a master at it all, which I think is most interesting to me of I love to learn but also then it helps me get better at my day job mm-hmm. yeah it's it's you're using it as almost market research it sounds mm-hmm. yeah oh, that's great um, and then you know you might get some really big speaking gigs as well which I'm sure you've already had it's it's been building up so I mm-hmm. very strategically started at next door and then Use That's where that I started to, too. I love Nextdoor. <laughs> yeah, I love it, and I'm actually now uh, live very close to it, so it's um, right across the street. So it's nice. So it's, it's your it's office, very, man. Exactly. So, but very strategically, you know, started there. Um, then you leverage that, hone your skills a bit, and, and leverage that to get into some a little bit, uh, I don't know, better spaces, but ones that maybe have your target consumer a bit more, mm-hmm. and then. You leverage those to get into even better venues and, and conventions. So it's really a stepping ground where you kind of get some credibility along the way. And the better spaces you have, um, the better ones you can get into. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. And, and Nextdoor is a, a great starting point because the, the price is right. Mm-hmm. Yep. The price is right and you get a good crowd and... You can and really kind of test out your material a little bit in yeah. your on your speaking skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, while I, also helping the the entrepreneur. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and actually, some uh, some pretty big startups have come out of there. Really, um, we deliver. I used to see uh, those guys like in there all the time. They they got like a seven hundred fifty k round of funding. That's fantastic. Probably, probably have gotten way more since then, but that that was just the, the news that I was paying attention to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, no, it's it's a it's a great spot. I, I still go back there all the time. I, I love just like, using those rooms and talking to like the, little helper girls. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a fun place. It is. Um. Cool. All right. Last question before I ask where people can find out more about you. Um. So I, I pretty much just wanted to go through each network and just you say whether you think it's like growing or dying. Okay. Just a couple of networks. Um, let's start with Facebook. Is it growing or is it dying? Because I don't think you know, there's anything it, in between. It's growing. It's still the most powerful network. Mm-hmm. It has over 1 billion active users daily. It's insane how uh, big it is compared to everything else. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's massive. It's it seems like it's our online identity. Yeah. yeah, and even the young kids that they say their young kids are leaving it. That's somewhat true, but really, there's they're just using more social media overall, and they're on Snapchat and Facebook and everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and now that they launched Facebook Live, I I haven't even thought of Periscope. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's normally like the thing that does it first. You're like, oh, no, that's the video. But Facebook just integrated it so perfectly that it's it's too easy to ignore. Um, Let's talk about Twitter. What do you think? Twitter is the interesting one. 
it is stalled out, so it's kind of dying. But I think there's, if you put it in one of the two categories, but they're also, I think there's still a very niche audience that is forward and active on it. It's still a great platform to reach out to people individually. It's probably the best one. And uh, they're also, it's the one to keep an eye on because the stock's in the tank, so it has to go through. They're making some changes to help get it out of there. So it's the one to keep an eye on, but it, out of all the social media, it's, it's probably the one that's maybe in the dying category. Mm-hmm. And, and how does that stack just in your personal preference? Like, do you use that more than others? Um, I wasn't a big Twitter guy before yeah. a year ago. I, I, I did Ohio State football and used it a little bit, but actually I've used it more in the past six, nine months than I ever have. And actually, I enjoy Twitter quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the probably least used uh, by myself. Um, I think I'm just too too visually stimulated. I love Snapchat. I love Instagram. I love Facebook, and Twitter. I'm just like text. Ugh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What about Instagram? I uh, love Instagram. It's probably my favorite platform, um, and it's definitely growing. So it's it's doing well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that Instagram just seems like it's it's like the popular kid in high school. Mm-hmm. It's just like untouchable. Uh, what about Pinterest? Do you do much with Pinterest? Uh, very little. Yeah. At this same. point, I have a client that does some. It's still growing. Um, Pinterest might have the most, um, probably outside of Facebook, it might be valued valuation one of the highest because uh, the users there are actively looking to make purchases if that's with fashion if that's with furniture design ideas whatever so it, pinterest is half social network half e-commerce store mm-hmm. so it's it's one to kind of keep an eye on but again it's for a certain segment of the social media audience mm-hmm. yeah from my understanding it's it's sort of it stayed stagnant for quite a while like it's it's got everyone who's interested in Pinterest. A bit. The numbers aren't growing as much, but it's uh, it's still doing well, and it's just really launching its capabilities with viable pins and promoted pins. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Uh, let's talk about Snapchat. Uh, Snapchat, one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing right now. Mm-hmm. I just started using it a little more. Um, little more recently mm-hmm. to kind of to get used to the platform um but at this point there's very little roi or use cases for it there's only a few businesses that might make sense the target audience is, is very young but um it's getting bigger so it's one of those that's gonna be tougher and tougher to ignore hopefully it'll become a little more business friendly but we'll see mm-hmm yeah, I, um, I agree. Um, like, normally I, I don't post to social very much, like, in my own regard. But I find that because it erases in 24 hours, the uh, degree to which I care about looking stupid or doing something silly is far decreased from, like, Instagram. So yes. I find myself using Snapchat way more than any other network. Yeah, I would say that's that's kind of one of the appeals of it. It's the audience is uh, much smaller in terms of the amount of people that people follow or follow back, right. and so you can be a little more silly. You can. Um, it's not gonna when you post it out there. It's not gonna live forever, mm-hmm. so you don't have to worry about a future employer or <laughs> your parents or whoever that might see it. Yeah, and and I think there's. Like, that's where we're at with social media. Like, a lot of this stuff, you know, you take a picture of your sandwich, you're like, this is a delicious sandwich. Like, you don't need to see that in six months. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that a lot of social media is disposable, and Snapchat is, like, on the forefront of that. And I think that's that's why people are resonating with it so much. Right. Yeah. All right, let's talk about everybody's favorite network, Google+. Plus. Dead. Yeah, is it even still? Is it still it's. Up? Uh, I mean, it helps your SEO a pinch. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that 
I thought Google announced even a couple months ago that it's going through a dramatic rehaul or it's quietly they're going to get rid of it. I mean, it's only big because if you have a Gmail account, you're on Google Plus, but no yeah. one uses. Yeah, I remember like when when it launched and they're like, "Oh, they got 230 million active users." I'm like, "No, they don't. They have 230 million Gmail users that were forced to do it." Right. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, um, yeah I, I'm not a fan. And last but not least, uh, I want to talk about I want to talk about YouTube, but versus Facebook. Because I feel like those two are just at each other's throats for video domination. Uh, they are. Um, yeah. I, I don't use YouTube that much, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been one of those YouTubers that sit there all day and, and watch YouTube videos. Those some of my friends have been. Uh, but both, I mean, if you're if you're on one, generally you're on you're on both. If you're serious about video, mm-hmm. but it's. Uh, it's not only a fight for video, but Facebook is trying to challenge Google for uh, searches. And Facebook is slowly eating away, little by little, of the search volume from Google itself and YouTube, which is the number two search platform. So it's both have their uses. I prefer Facebook, but I'm, I'm generally not one that's searching video tons unless it's for something very specific. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. Um, awesome. All right. Well, that was uh, that was an excellent conversation. Really enjoyed that. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah. No, thank you so much for for talking to me, man. Um, so, where can people find out more about you? Uh, they can find uh, the personal stuff is going to be website adambianco.com. That's a d a m b i a n c o. They can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam score un, Adam underscore Bianco. Mm-hmm. And then some of the fun ones if they're on the lookout, uh, Instagram sports foodie, Twitter, the sports foodie, the website, the sports foodie.com. Um, and then also if they're more on the business side, they can find me on LinkedIn Just search Adam Bianco and, and you'll find me on there. That's awesome. And you're, you're very uh, lucky to have gotten the dot com. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Happy about that. Uh one of the new sites is, is not a dot com. I had to get creative, but uh Yeah. What can you do? Nice. Well we're uh we're very excited about your your new side business. Very excited to hear more about that. Side All right, hustle. Well we want to chat again in in a few weeks or so. Yeah. It's up Great. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well thank you again, Adam. I uh I learned a lot, and I think uh, we, we dropped some knowledge. I think so. Well, thanks for having me again. It's been yeah. fun. All right. Well, that's it for this episode of the Chris Broadhead Show. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to read the show notes, see a list of awesome quotes from the episode, and engage in an insightful and fun discussion about the episode, please go to chrisbroadhead.net. I plan on releasing regular podcast episodes with other fascinating folks, as well as video essays on my favorite subjects which will most likely be Batman and filmmaking. Thanks again for listening, and keep having an awesome day.